We're going to dive in to today's message, and I want to talk to you about really just the power of, of praying big, just the importance of having big, uh, lofty prayers in our lives when we're living for God. Um, sometimes we could be guilty as Christians, right, of not praying big enough or not believing big enough when it comes to the things that we want to see God do in our lives. I certainly know I've been guilty of that at times. Um, sometimes we can be in a moment where we're praying for something, but we're really more praying uh, from a place of we're, we're, there's doubt or there is fear kind of mixed in. We're kind of so, sort of throwing a Hail Mary prayer, if you will, uh, up to God and hoping that something happens. But really, there's not a lot of certainty in us. There's not a lot of conviction in us that's rooted in the Word of God that that prayer actually stands on a promise or stands on a truth. And so you kind of throw this Hail Mary prayer and, and hope that something happens. And then other times, we can be battling and dealing with things in our lives and we'll pray, and we'll just kind of like say a little prayer, and then we'll move on with it. You know, we'll feel like, hey, we'll say a prayer, and for lack of a better way to say it, like, okay, yeah, that got the job done, and then we kind of go on. And there's a lot of moments, there's a lot of battles that we go through in our lives where actually prayer is a, a, a continued, intensifying thing that we ought to be engaged in and, until that battle is sought all the way through. Uh, there's a scripture that says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that word fervent means to actually intensify over time, to increase in intensity. And the word avails means that it actually gets into the thick of things, it gets into the fray, it gets into the battle. And so our prayers are so important, are so significant in the journey that we're all on that God is saying, look, there's many times that you're going to go through things that are almost like a season, and your prayer needs to, your battle of praying needs to continue to intensify, to get stronger. It's almost like there's a holy aggression that you're fighting with, that your prayers are flowing out of, that are continuing to build and, and continuing to uh, intensify through the process of whatever it is that you're battling. And so, you know, we don't just pray one time and then kind of move on. There's times where we just sort of keep praying and keep battling and keep going after it until we actually do see that breakthrough. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk about a story today from the book of Joshua. And I love this story. This is actually one of the, I use words, so forget, but like one of the coolest miracles uh, in the Bible, if that is able to be classified, right? Cool. Uh, this is one of the coolest miracles in the Bible. And so I'll give you a little bit of background on the story first. Joshua, after Moses dies, you know, they, they went through the Red Sea, Israel did. Uh, Moses is going to lead them into the promised land. And then Moses goes up on the mountain and he ends up dying. And so Joshua is the new appointed general to lead the people of Israel on into the promised land to continue the conquest of the promise, the destiny that God has called them to. And after they cross the Jordan River, the first battle that they engage in is Jericho, right? 
And so we know the story of Jericho. The walls came tumbling down. They conquered that city. And then after the battle of Jericho, they move on and they go and they attack another city and they conquer another area that's part of their promised land that God says to go and take. And it's a city called Ai, A-I. It's just a city called Ai. And so they win this battle. They win this conquest. And the city of Ai is inhabited. It's a great city. It's a very strong city. And it's inhabited by a group of people who are called the Amorites. And the Amorites had multiple cities and multiple kings, but they were kind of all one people, if you will, a united people. And God was saying, this area, all this territory, this land that the Amorites occupy is territory that I'm giving you as part of your destiny, as part of your promise, land to go and take it and inhabit it, dwell there, right? He's giving and occupy that. And so they conquer I, and then the other Amorite kings, there's five others, they get really concerned because, see, they've heard the story of the people of Israel coming across the Red Sea, like that story got famous. That made it. That was famous in the land. People heard, "Whoa, the people of Israel, the God is of Israel, is truly a, a powerful God." And these people are coming, and so they're worried now. And these five kings, they actually unite, and they want to come. They want to build a resistance against Israel. And there's this one other group of people in the city of Gibeon who are a part of the Amorites, and they go and they make a treaty with Joshua and with Israel, only they do it like under false pretense. They tell Joshua, we're from a far and distant land. We've heard of you and your, your God, and we want to we form a treaty with you. We want peace with you because we don't want to mess with you. Uh, we don't want to happen to us what happened to I uh, or in Egypt. And so Joshua makes this treaty, but they, they, they kind of tricked him because if he'd have known that they were right there in the promised land, he probably would have never have done that. But nonetheless, he's a man of his word, and so he's going to honor his word. And so these other five Amorite kings here, one of their one of their own has kind of split apart now and formed a peace with Israel. And so these five kings form this alliance, these Amorite people, and they come against, they're going to go up and they're going to attack the city of Gibeon. They're going to bring it down and they're going to continue to try to keep Joshua and Israel from coming into their, into their area and their territory. And so Gibeon, the king, sends word to Joshua and says, hey, you got to help us out. They're coming against us. They're going to attack us. We need your assistance. Come and fight for us. We formed, we're, we, we formed a treaty. And so Joshua, again, being a man of his word, he says, okay, we're on our way. He gets the troops. He takes Israel, and he marches all night to get up to the city of Gibeon to go and help and bring reinforcements and to come against the enemies, the Amorite kings, and all the people who are fighting against them. So now this point right here is where we're going to enter into the story, and this is actually in Joshua chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, go there, and I'm going to begin in actually verse 6, since I've given you kind of a lot of the preface here to the story. We're going to begin in verse 6, and we're going to read uh, for about seven or eight verses here. It says, the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. 
So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all of the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. I'm trying to pronounce those properly. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. They were more, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. And then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, in the sight of Israel, get this, we're talking about big prayers today, big time, lofty, faith-filled prayers. Sun stands still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Yashir? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel." Powerful. Let me pray. Father, I ask you today in Jesus' name, as we've just approached, your, uh, approached you today, God, we're just here seeking you, seeking a word from you, seeking uh, just what you have for us, not what man has for us. I ask you to speak through me today. Help us to understand the truth of your word uh, and to just go forth changed and empowered from the experience in our time with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this is amazing. This is a powerful story, right? And you see here that Joshua, he has the audacity, if you will. He has the, the craziness about him to, to throw up, to lift up a prayer to God and say, Son, stand still. So that they can continue the conquest, they can continue to win the battle, prevail in the battle that, they are, uh, that God has spoken to them and instructed them to go into. Now, one of the interesting things, first of all, that I notice here is it says there's never been a day like that before or since. Most certainly, we know that that has a lot to do with the fact that the sun stood still and the day was lengthened, that there's never been a day like that since or before. And a lot of times, um, we can come to days in our lives as we're living for God, as we're walking forward in our purpose, our destiny, coming into battles, into challenges. Sometimes they can get so difficult, so intense, almost like we think, I might not make it out of this one. Has anybody ever been there before? Like, this one may 
just take me out. The human flesh kind of starts to rise up, starts to get in the way a little bit, and we think, man, this is a doozy. This is one of those days that you might say would go down in your books as being, there has never been a day like that since, and I pray to God that there never be a day like that again. We all reach those moments, right? But listen, here's the beautiful thing. You can know in the midst of that day, in the midst of whatever battle that you've arrived at that you're coming to because you're walking in obedience, you're seeking the Lord's will for your life, that in the moment there there may be a day that you would think, this one, there'll never be another day like it again. In that same day, you will hear the voice of your heavenly Father saying to you, you can know and rest assured that there's a promise that's there for you that says, fear not, do not be dismayed, do not be discouraged, for I will deliver you from this battle. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I know in the worst things, the most difficult things that I've ever been through, when I focus my attention toward God, when I lift my affections toward Him, when I seek Him and I pray with abandonment, that there's always that relief that comes. There's always that sense of peace that falls upon me in the midst of the storm when I can hear the voice of God saying to me, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for I will deliver you from this too as I've delivered you from many other things. And so Joshua hears this, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged. We know that we've heard that a lot, right? God spoke that to Moses whenever they were getting ready to head into the promised land. Like God seems to say that to to his people a lot of times over and over again. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged or dismayed, for I will be with you, I will go with you every step of the way. And so Joshua, this prayer, this Son stands still prayer that he lifts to God that is something that is one of the most miraculous things that we probably see in the entire Bible that happens is a prayer you have to realize that came from a guy, that came from a man who wasn't just out on his own path, on his own agenda, pursuing some sort of self-gratification mission. He had heard from the Lord, go and, and, and do this, go on this journey. Don't be afraid, for I'm going to be with you and deliver you from this. So the point is, is that he already heard a word from the Lord. He already heard from God. He had a certainty in him. He had a faith in him that was standing on something very solid. The voice of God had already spoken. So when we walk forward and we know God is leading us into a place, he's leading us into a mission on our purpose, in our destiny, then we know when we're in that place that God is very much anticipating and looking for us, guys, to pray with full abandonment as if nothing were impossible. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm not suggesting that God isn't into the small things. In fact, God very much is into the small things. He cares about the little hairs on your head, each and every one of them he numbers, right? So he's definitely into every part of our lives. But God is looking for us to pray and to have faith in things that he would move and do as if nothing were impossible because we serve a limitless God who is able to do the impossible at any moment 
in any time. When was the last time that you prayed a prayer in such a way that you were praying, that you were pressing into heaven for something that was literally impossible to happen? It was impossible without God doing it. See, I know, again, my prayers sometimes will kind of get packaged real nice and neat in a way where I, I, I see how they can happen. I see how it can work. Hey, God, um, you know, just give us a little extra time, you know, maybe cause the moon to be a little bright tonight, or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we'll have reinforcements on the other side of the mountain that'll stop them. Like, maybe it's a long stretch, but I can still see that it might happen. Like, there's, it's possible, when was the last time our prayers reached a level, reached a place where it was literally a prayer that was thrown, that we were taking to God, that it was impossible for it to actually be achieved? Isn't that something? You know, I learned a long time ago when it comes to prayer that prayer really is a privilege. We don't have to pray, we actually get to pray. It's a pl- God's actually created a communication system, right? Like we pray, we, or we, we communicate with each other verbally, body language, different ways. God's created this thing, we just call it prayer, where we actually get relationship and communication, open flow back and forth that we get to have with God. That is a privilege. That is an awesome privilege that we get to have. And God actually desires our prayers. He's, in fact, petitioning them. He doesn't need them, but he desires them. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus said this. He said, your, your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask them. So God actually knows what we need. He already knows really what's best for us. But even though that's the case, we still see consistently through the scriptures time and time again that we are a people who are called to pray. That we are called to do battle with prayer. So if God is summoning, if he is petitioning our prayers, then we have the opportunity to basically allow our faith to engage in the fight, in the battle, in the journey that we're on so that our prayers actually make a difference. Our prayers actually play a factor in the way things move and play out for our purpose and our destiny. I think that's incredible, don't you? And so, so Joshua, he, he hears this word from the Lord. It says, go, and I'm going to deliver them into your hands. And so he, he marches all night. He gets there, and then the battle ensues. So the first thing that happens is they start slaughtering the people in the battle. Israel is triumphant in, in, in battle uh, with the sword and with the spear. They're taking down a lot of these Amorites. Uh, and then the Amorites begin to flee because they see, look, we're not going to win this thing. And so they start to flee. And then God brings down, now here comes a supernatural, right? God starts to rain down hailstones upon the enemy. And he kills more people with the hailstones than Israel is actually killing by the sword. So they're fleeing. They're getting taken out. But there's still more of them that are, that are running and that are fleeing. And God has commanded them, go and finish this enemy off. Like, take them and finish them so that they're done and that they don't come back to fight you another day. And so Joshua, he has this sense of clarity. He has this sense of purpose in this mission. And it's because he is so engaged in the will of God and the purpose of God that he has the faith, that he has the audacity 
audacity to pray a prayer like, God, can you just make the sun stop and stay in the sky where it is so we can finish what you've sent us to do? Unbelievable. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly guilty of at times when the Lord is commanding me to do something, I feel he's leading me to do something, that I will do it so far and then you get to a point where you think, well, that's probably good enough. I can probably stop. When in reality, you you actually pull back before the job is finished, before it's fully done. And I'm telling you, when it comes to the things that God speaks to us to do, when he's sending us on into great things, obedience is so key. We have to fully walk out what God is calling us and telling us to do. We can't pull back short. We can't get caught up saying that's good enough, we, especially when it comes to fighting our enemies and bringing them down so that they don't come back against us again. We talked about that in the giant killer's message a few weeks ago, right? And we have to know, that, so Joshua has this sense of like, God said I need to do something. I'm gonna finish it. What, how are we gonna do this? Son, would you, God, would you just make the sun stand still so we have more daylight and we have more time to finish and stay obedient to what it is that you've just called us to do? And in fact, that is exactly what God does. He makes the sun st- stand still so that the day is prolonged. We just read in this story uh, almost an extra day so that they could t- continue to finish off the enemies that they were fighting. There's like... You know, an exhilaration, an aggression that ought to come out of God's people that, that comes forth in the mode of prayer when we're walking in the purpose that God has for our life. A boldness, an audacity, a, a fury, an aggression, if you will, that we're fighting a fight and we're fighting with our prayers. And Joshua, he brings this sun standstill prayer up to God because he is immersed in the will and the purpose that God has for them and, and the mission that he sent them on. He knows God is with them. He knows God intends to deliver them from this. He has certainty about these things. And so that prayer flows from a place of faith, of knowing all of these things that God has already said that he would do and that he's already promised that he would deliver them from. And I think that uh, when Jesus said, it, this, this kind of puts in perspective when Jesus said, hey, if, if anybody has faith, you can pray to this mountain and say to this mountain, be moved and it'll be cast into the sea. Maybe Jesus actually meant what he said. Now, I've never seen anybody pray a prayer and and a piece of rock of the earth get lifted up and tossed into the sea. I've never seen that before. But maybe Jesus actually really meant what he said. Maybe he wasn't just speaking figuratively. See, I'm one of those kind of, the way I look at the Bible, the way I interpret the Bible is I'm more of what you would call a literalist. I take what the Bible says and I take it literally. Unless I have some sort of evidence and interpretive uh, interpretation that says that there maybe is something figurative here, like Jesus speaking in parables. We know that a lot of that was figurative. But maybe Jesus actually meant what he said, that you could pray and I will move the earth for you. I will stop the universe from spinning 
for you, for the will of God that I have upon your life. Do we recognize that we're that important to our God, to our Heavenly Father, that He has a purpose and a mission, a, a destiny for our lives, that He's so intent on empowering us to walk out and see it through that he would literally stop the universe from spinning so that he could help his children become who he's created them to be and that God could be made famous across our land. See, I really believe that he would do that. There's these really cool, it's, I encourage you to maybe look at some of these things sometime. There's a lot of theories, scientific theories, on what happened this day. How could the sun really stand still? Some people suggest that there was actually like a bending or a refracting of light. It's like somehow the light was bent and it just kind of stayed with the earth as it turned, you know? Um, that's a scientific theory. Some people think that the earth actually was wobbling on its axis that that would actually create a possible scenario where the, the day could have actually been prolonged, sun could have been over the earth for a little bit longer. Where I really like is the one that suggests that the earth just slowed down in its rotation. The earth spins about 1,000 miles per hour. But if it were to slow down to just 500 miles per hour, then it would actually be an additional day that could pass by in the course of time without the sun setting over it. So the, the motion could be slowed. And some people will say, well, that's impossible because if that happened, we'd all fall flat on our face. The rotation would stop and everybody would go down and all the waves, all the ocean waves would be thrown out of proportion and there would just be this cataclysmic event. It's good, good thoughts. Here's the point, though. Is God not able <laughs> to make all of those things flow in harmony and in balance if he chooses to so that his will can be advanced? I mean, if he created the wind, if he created the waves, if he created the sun, if he created the moon, if he created all of these things, all God has to do is speak it and it will be. I don't really know what happened or how it happened. And I don't know that anybody will. It's the same theories that come around about how in the world did the Red Sea part. Well, there had to be a tornado. There had to be a giant wind. And look, I don't know. What I know is that God, when he is fighting for you, when he is fighting for his children, and they're walking in faith in the purpose and the destiny that they have. And they will pray with significant faith, with lofty prayers to see God move. Then God will actually do things like make the sun stand still so that you can fulfill a purpose that he has you on. And I think that is so encouraging to me today. And I hope it's encouraging to you that there are moments in our lives where we can let out prayer, where we can engage in a time of prayer that's so fervent, that's so intensifying. It's just not going to stop. It's going to continue on until the breakthrough, until that battle shifts, until we move forward and we see the enemy that we've been fighting actually come to their knees and God bring them down for us. It's that faith-filled prayer 
audacity to pray prayers like sun stands still that I believe each and every one of us at moments in our lives will arrive at where we need to be able to say there's never been a day like that and there may never be another day like that one again. That miracle that I saw God do, that miraculous thing that happened that God came in the situation and moved on, I've, I've, I've never seen anything like that before. And then we can testify to that. We can speak of that and share of the good and great things that God has done in our lives that only he could possibly take credit for. Amen. Amen. So after this happens, it says that the five kings, the five Amorite kings, were actually able to get away. They were fleeing, and they all ran, and they all hid in this cave. And Joshua found out about it. And the people of Israel caught up to him and he said, roll a giant stone over the cave and cover it until we get there. So they roll this stone over the cave. This is very important. I want you to see a picture of what your enemies actually look like when they're before your God. They come to the place, they roll the stone away. Joshua says, bring the five kings out, right? Kings, they're like princes uh, over opposition and over oppression that come against us in our lives. They're evil spirits or demonic things that are like princes ruling things that could come against us in our lives. He says, roll that stone away. Bring those five kings out. They bring the five kings out, and then Joshua commands the captains of the five, of the five different squadrons that were in battle. He says, come here, I want you to do something. I want you to bring those kings out, and I want each one of you to put your foot on the neck of a king, of an enemy. Put your foot on its neck. And listen to what he says when they do that. He says, verse 23, So they did so, and they brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmouth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua, he called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near Put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near, and they put their feet on their necks. And then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Sound familiar? Sounds very familiar. God had just spoken this very thing to Joshua not even a day, more than a day before. He had just spoken this thing to him, and it incited the faith of Joshua to go forth and to pray a prayer like sun stands still. And then he comes and he brings the captains of the army. He says, put your feet on the neck of the king. I want you to get a picture of what the enemy really looks like. When they do, he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for this is what the Lord will do to all of your enemies right here when you fight for him and you fight the battle for God. It's such a clear picture, guys, that no enemy that we face will really ever be able to stand up against our God. Will never be able to come against us and defeat us and stop the plan that God has for our lives if we're moving in faith and if we're moving in prayer. He says, put your foot on the neck. That symbolizes authority it symbolizes victory. It symbolizes complete. This thing is underneath me. It's not above me, and it's not even facing me. This thing has been brought down. 
And that's exactly what Joshua sends that same message because that's the thing, that's the faith that just rose up in him to see that whole battle through and to pray that prayer that he just lifted before God. I love this. And I'll close with this thought. Joshua praying this prayer, this huge prayer like sun stand still. There's, there's never a moment, there's never a point when Joshua, as the general of this army, is disconnected, if you will, uh, from his relationship with God and from his continuing to rely on God, to be praying. You know, he's always in a posture of prayer before the Lord. He's, he's not removed and disengaged from that. When we're continuing to walk with God, closely with Him, spend every day in prayer daily, just seeking God, speaking with Him, and praying with Him. Then there's that communication chain, if you will, that's sort of like unbroken day to day in our lives. And because there's that consistency, there's that intensifying, there's that increasing in our prayer life and in the faith behind the prayers that we lift up before God. And that we see God move and we'll, we'll come to moments in our lives where we would pray things like sun stands still, such audacious, such faith-filled prayers that would be impossible for any man to accomplish, and then God moves in the situation, and we see him do miracles. You know, just a little earlier in the book of Joshua, in chapter 5, right before they went into Jericho, something interesting happened. Joshua walks out kind of over the high ground. He's looking out over the city of Jericho, and all of a sudden, like, this man appears. Somebody just shows up. And Joshua looks, and it's like this kind of, like, soldier, if you will. Um, and he says, who are you? Are you for us or are you against us? And there's something about this soldier that's very intriguing. And Joshua sees this soldier, and he says, I am the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua falls to his feet, his knees, and he, and he worships the commander of the Lord's army. This is really powerful stuff, but I just want to share this with you to think about this. This commander of the, of the Lord's army was what theologians and histor biblical historians almost all agree on, is the pre-incarnate Christ. It was Jesus prior to his incarnation on earth. Why do we know that? For one... Because Joshua fell to his knees and he worshipped him. And in the Bible, any time a man worshipped an angel or somebody that the Lord sent, they always said, get up, I'm not worthy of that. But the, the commander of the Lord's army allowed Joshua to worship him. It was the pre-incarnate Christ. And what does that say to us? It says that Jesus is always going to be right with you. He's going to come and he's going to be by your side. And he's wanting to have that continuous relationship and, and communication with you as you live forth accomplishing what it is that he's called you to do. See, I believe that as Joshua and those armies were riding in, that the commander of the Lord's army was right there beside him the whole time that they sensed his presence, they sensed him in the battle, in the fight with them, and it emboldened their faith, and it strengthened their resolve to go forth and fight an enemy that, quite frankly, they were probably outnumbered against, but there was never a sense that they were ever going to lose the battle because God had already spoken that they were going to have victory over it. Isn't that powerful? Stand to your feet with me today.
just let this maybe challenge you today and just say, consider what the effectiveness of your prayer life really looks like right now. You know? If you're honest, what is what does each day look like in the way that it's filled with prayer and faith, communication with God? Because I see a picture of a people who are a victorious people that are God's children who are bringing down enemies, who are slaying enemies, but a people who are praying crazy kinds of prayers, who, who believe in the impossible, who believe that God can do anything at any moment, even if it involves stopping the rotation of the universe so that his will can be advanced through our lives. That's not just like hocus pocus, high, pie in the sky kind of stuff. Like God really performed this miracle. This really happened. There's even ancient traditions, guys. There's even ancient traditions like uh, the Greeks had this story about their god, uh, Apollo, was riding on the sun in the day. It was like he would ride chariot of fire, and that was when the sun was over the earth. But there was this legend of a day that actually occurred where Apollo's son rode the chariot and he and he wasn't able to do it and so the day delayed and lasted longer than what a normal day should there's other stories in other cultures of a day that was actually longer than what a normal day should have been they're all legends and things like that but history accounts for them this really happened god really made the sun stand still he really prolonged the day so that his children could finish the battle, could have victory over their enemy and what it, he was calling them in to do. And so I just want to pray. As I pray, I want you to think about what is your, what is your son's standstill prayer today? What, what is the place that your prayers are directed at? Are you praying for what you think you can see happen? Are you praying for something that you might even actually be able to accomplish in your own strength? Or are your prayers reaching a place where literally God has to stop the universe to make something happen? There's literally an impossibility to what your prayers are aimed at and see God move. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you that you would just encourage us today, Lord, that prayer is your way of relationship and communication with us, between us and you. I ask you to embolden us and strengthen us in the way that we pray, Lord, to realize that our prayers are so effective and have such accuracy and, and are so important in the purpose that you're calling us to do. God, I ask you would just meet people right now, Holy Spirit, and begin to minister to them here in this place. Help them to be challenged and to just be strengthened in the prayer life that they have each and every day going forward. Help us all, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Woo. Well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just feel the presence of God so awesome right here in this place today let that go with you just as 
God said to Joshua, hear that from him today. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm going to go with you wherever you go, and I will deliver you from any enemy that comes against you. Believe that. Have faith in that and know that. And let your prayers and let your actions going forward reflect that that's a faith that resides inside of you. Go in peace in the favor of God. May his countenance shine upon you. May everything that your hand touches prosper. And may you walk steadfast in your prayer life and in the plan that God has for you in your life. In Christ's name, amen.